The following sermon is from the United Church of Tishomingo. Um, if you have a Bible and you'd like to turn this morning, we're going to be in uh, Proverbs 31. And as I was trying to work on what I was going to say this week and what the Lord was putting on my heart, at first I debated because in Proverbs 31 it, it talks about a wife and as I went through that and read through that, God kind of put on my heart it was okay because this scripture uh, may have started out with a wife, but it describes any godly woman. Wife, mother, just a woman who's single on her own. Um, you know, there are a, a lot of women who no longer have a husband or who have never had a husband or maybe don't have children. But when that's the case, the scripture talks about how your husband is the Lord. And that's the example that who you are obedient to and who you are submissive to and who you are serving and who you are being faithful to. And so uh, if you don't have a husband, if you don't have a child, if you just are a, a woman by yourself, this still applies to your life, what God teaches that a godly woman's life will look like. And so that's what I'm going to speak about this morning is it is Mother's Day. I'm going to disappoint my mother on Mother's Day. And I want to, because for those of you, my mother hates, she thinks it's stupid that you do sermons based on themes. She said, I don't know why people do that, you know, just preach a sermon. And so, but uh, God just put on my heart to do this this week. I want to do this, and I want to speak about what a godly woman looks like. Now, before I say anything at all, I want to ask you a favor, my church family, a favor. Yesterday, there's something that I miss in church service. Uh, that we used to do all the time, and we don't do it as much anymore, and I'm not one of those guys that gripes at the phone and complains about it, but it's, it's led to it. It's been a big part. I was watching, uh, I've been spending a lot of time in the last few months on YouTube just watching pastors and preachers that I respect, you know, whether you pick your own, you, you, you all have the ones that you like, but I like to listen to Alistair Begg, and I like to listen to John MacArthur, and I like to listen to Charles Stanley, and I like to listen to, you know, all these different people. And so I just figured that it's good to use that phone for good things instead of bad things. And I was watching Charles Stanley a couple of days ago, and he was in his church, you know, full church, a lot of people, and he started the sermon, and he said, okay, get out your Bible. And, and they showed the audience, and they were like, everybody had a Bible, and everybody opened the Bible, and everybody got into the Bible and was reading as he was preaching. And it would be nice to see that again. I know that we have phones, and I know that you can look at the words, and I know that they're the same words. But I know that when we have our head in the Scripture and we're doing through that, you know, when I was teaching class, and I didn't always use a book, but when I did and we were going through things, I expected my students to be there so they could follow along with what I was saying and get that because the written word along with the spoken word settles better and it helps you retain it. So just a, just a thought, just an idea that it would kind of be nice to see people open their Bible and look at their Bible and study it as we go through it together. And then you can keep me accountable too instead of just sit there and listen. So uh, just thinking about that. But uh, So anyway, we're going to be discussing in this the four characteristics, I'm just going to call it, of a godly woman. And it applies to any woman who is in any state in her life. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And so I'm going to discuss also, i got to say this before we start, I'm going to discuss also some responsibilities that you have. So here's what I need from you today, okay? Please don't be sitting there when I say something to go, yeah, but the guy. Okay, look, <laughs> I'm going to hit the guys right in the mouth next month. 
Okay, I promise I'll nail them with their responsibilities. I'm going to let them have it. I'll say all that kind of stuff. But I don't have time to do the whole thing today. So can I talk to you and not go, well, what about that? I'll, I'll get to him. I promise you that I'll do that. So what I need from you is this is just a sermon talking about here's what a godly woman looks like and her responsibilities and what she does. And for those that are watching online that don't know me, I'm not being chauvinistic. Like I said, I'll hammer the guys next month when it gets to their turn for responsibility. So when I do that, uh, we understand that I'm doing it with, are we good? This is it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure that I can do that. Wait, yeah, but the guy, I, I, I know. <laughs> and I'll, I'll talk about them next month when we get to Father's Day. So as long as we're okay, then, then we'll be all right. So I know that any pastor can do any number of hundreds of things he wants to, but I picked four characteristics that I get from this passage of Scripture that are going to be the characteristics of a godly woman and how they apply to just a practical, everyday life, what that looks like. And so if you want to, I know nobody writes things down anymore, so I'm just going to say them out, out loud so you can hear them. But the four characteristics I picked today for simplicity are she will be faithful, she will be fruitful, she will be fearless, and she will be philanthropic. Now, for those that can spell, I know I cheated. And if you don't like it, do your own sermon. <laughs> it's my sermon, and that's what I'm going to do. But it fit, and it's in here, and it's part of it. She'll be faithful, fruitful, fearless, and philanthropic. So let's look at those as they go down through here. And I'll be skipping back and forth some because they don't all go right in order in the verse of Scripture. So let's start Proverbs 31. We're beginning verse 10, and we're going to start out with faithful. So let's read verses 10 uh, through 12 and then 26 and 27. It says, An excellent wife or woman who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Verse 26. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. In verse 27. And she looks well to the ways of her household, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Now, here are some things in the area of faithfulness that, that God put on my heart that jumped out to me as I was going through this. Number one, one of the most important things for a godly woman is to show respect, whether it's to her husband or whether, and I'm going to say this one more time. I know guys are supposed to, okay, but I'm just talking about this side today, so I'm not making it one-sided. Just let me do this, 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 this one side today is that she, you know, one of the best things that a woman can do is respect her husband or respect God. What we have today in society, if you look at children, for example, is a lot of disrespect. There's disrespect in school. There's disrespect in society. There's just not respect for, there's not respect for older people, for the elderly, you know, for that. There's just no respect. And, but children copy what they see. That's what they do. And what I've noticed is that if a, a woman disrespects her husband, that's going to show up in her children, just like it is the other way. If a husband disrespects it, okay, that's both ways. But if there is a lack of respect, it shows up in the children. And eventually that just bleeds out into society. And so we look and we go, geez, how did all these kids get so rotten? You know? Well, kids are only modeling what they see. Kids are little sponges. And they soak it all up. 
And so when, have you all ever noticed as a parent, I'll talk to both parents here, have you all ever noticed as a parent, if you are a parent, that usually what you hate in your child the worst is one of your characteristics that shows up and you see that and you, how do you, know, and, and you have to be honest with yourself that they got that from you. That's kind of the way that it works. And so respect is part of being faithful to God or to a husband, all right? Second thing that's extremely important. Again, last time, I know it goes both ways. She also builds him up instead of tears him down. I don't know how many couples I see where one tears the other one down or makes fun of or jokes, and they think they're being funny. You know, they think they're just like, it's not funny to a spouse or to a friend or to a family member when you're making fun of them in, uh, in front of other people. You just don't do that. And, you know, if you look over at verse um, 23 where it says, her husband is known in the gates. It's talking about in the, at the city gate is where the leaders used to gather together, you know, and, and make decisions. That it was, It's like the city council kind of type deal. That's where they used to gather together and make policy. And he's known... He has a good name partly because his family respects him and she, his wife has built him up and encouraged I will say this because some of what I do today, I am going to brag on my wife and I am going to hold her up because she's an example of this. She's a, she's a very good example of this. She has never, now, <laughs> in public, <laughs> she has never, ever, ever, ever <laughs> tore me down or, or made fun of me. Now, I get home, Jeannie, I'm sorry. But I catch it sometimes, I'll just tell you. But we do that at the house. But, you know, she is the absolute consummate professional when it comes to the way that she treats me in public and the way that she talks to me and the way that she looks at me. And the way she would never, never, never in front of people correct me or cut me down or laugh at me or say something. She would never do that. I promise you, I live with a wife that I don't ever have to worry that she's going to do something like that to me. Women, if you don't build your husband up, you're the one that chose to marry him. Who's going to? The one that's supposed to respect him the most. If you don't show that, you expect your kids to respect him when they get older? Do you expect the public to respect him when the woman who knows him and lives him the best doesn't respect him and doesn't build him up? So respect, building up and not tearing down. Number three, don't grit your teeth. Don't lose a denture but they also honor his leadership. Now, this world, this is completely contrary to this world nowadays, but God gave the man responsibility to lead his family. That's his responsibility. And boy, some of the people that I know just make it so hard on their husbands. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. That doesn't mean that you don't consult together. That's not what I'm saying. And for those that are watching online that don't know me, I'm not saying the husband cracks the whip and she says, yes, sir. That's not what I'm saying. But she respects and honors the fact that in a man's soul, in his being, God has put there the responsibility to be the leader of his family. And I just know a lot of friends. I've got a lot of friends. It's so hard for them to lead their family because their wives don't respect them and don't honor that lead leadership and don't build them up. And it just causes all kinds of trouble. And it goes both ways. And so if you want your husband or somebody to be a good leader, you're going to have to show respect for that leadership because if that breaks down, then the whole family unit breaks down. And so there is respect. She honors his leadership. Number four, part of being faithful, and I don't have to say this very much, but she's chaste. She's faithful sexually. You know, I shouldn't have to say that, 
But you all understand that marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. And Christ gave his life, gave everything to save the church for us. But he expects us to be faithful to him. We're not supposed to be going around chasing other gods and other things and all that kind of stuff. And nowadays, chastity in a marriage is just getting where it's almost um, unheard of. I mean, I, I know that there are pockets where people are faithful, but I, you, know, you don't get to see what I see, thank goodness, and deal with what I deal with on when I get the private messages and I get the text messages and all this kind of stuff of all the unfaithfulness faithfulness that's going on out there. And I will say it again with my wife. I, I won't say how and all that kind of stuff, but down inside, you know how nice it is to know that I know that I know that I know that I don't have to worry about anything? Do you know how much peace that gives me to be able to go out? And not that I ever would, okay? But listen, that kind of faithfulness to me you know what that does? That makes me want to be faithful to her. Not that I wouldn't anyway, because I'm the spiritual leader who's supposed to do that. But that kind of faithfulness makes me want to be faithful. I would never violate that trust. I would never do anything that could possibly violate that. And so faithfulness and chastity are a part of honoring and being faithful to your husband. Uh, the fifth one, she gives her best to him. Now, listen to me carefully. I'm going to get in trouble here again. Uh, there's people watching out there who are going to turn me off when I say this. Your best does not go to your children. Your best does not go to your job. Your best goes to God and to your spouse, to your husband. The best thing you can do for children is to show them what a godly relationship looks like either with a husband or with God. And what we've done in this society... And like I said, some people are going to turn this off. We are destroying the society by making everybody think it's all about the kids. Folks, it is not all about the kids. It is about God. It is about adult relationships. And it's about preparing children to be godly citizens who know that they have a responsibility to society, that society doesn't owe them everything. Now, I don't say this very often. Where it's okay to say amen. It's okay to say that this is not about the children. And when you make them think it is about them, they grew up thinking, well, you owe me something. And you should be doing this, and you should be doing that, and you should, no, 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 no. Boy, my parents raised me, I don't know, you squat, boy, you're going to earn it. And a lot of you guys grew up the same way, and that's why you are successful, because they made you be learn how to be successful instead of handing you everything and bidding over backwards to help you and doing all this kind of, we're destroying them. We're destroying kids. You know, um, as a teacher, as an educator, nobody wants to be the tough teacher until 10 years down the road you ask those kids who their favorite teacher was and who the best teacher was and guess who it is. It's the teacher that demanded the most and expected the most and drove them the most and I don't say you have to be mean but I'm saying that you have to be that person who says, children, you have a responsibility. And so women, whether it's to God, husband, or whatever, your best goes to, your, to God or to your spouse and, your, uh, it, it, and, and not to your job and not to your children. That's where it goes first, and everything else will work itself out. Okay? Now, watch this very carefully, all right? I have discovered that children, when they grow up and get married, are going to marry somebody that's related to how the dynamic was in their family a whole lot of times. And I've noticed that a lot of the problems are because 
of the problems that were in their parents' marriage, it causes problems in the children. Are y'all listening to me very careful? I, I'm not, I'm not, I heard one time, <laughs> it's not true with everybody, but I heard one time somebody say, you know, they always say that a young world girl will marry somebody just like her daddy, and that's why moms always cry at weddings. So anyway, that's right. I, that, I'm not saying it's true, but I heard that one time. <laughs> it's, sorry, that's a bad joke. But anyway, uh, what, the way that we treat each other as husband and wife has a huge effect on the children and what their family life will be like. We need to remember that. And then there's one more thing. I want you to look at verse 11. I'm going to brag on my wife right here. It's something amazing. It says, the heart of her husband trusts in her in everything. Uh, I want to tell you something that my wife does. I always do marriage counseling. I talk about how, you know, men and women, when you come together, you have different strengths and different weaknesses. You know, uh, one of you is good at one thing, one of you is good at another, and you're not always. One of the things I was, and still am, I'm not very organized. I'm not good at keeping records and all that kind of stuff, and my wife is. And, and I'm not going to talk about her today. I'm not going to say anything. She's got her weaknesses, but I'm saying that's a huge weakness. So in our marriage from day one, my wife took over the finances because if she didn't, we were going to get our electricity turned off and our water turned off because I couldn't remember where, where the bill was and what time it was. Y'all think I'm kidding. Before we ever got married and I had my own apartment, she had to pay my bills because I'd lose it and I'd always get my stuff turned off. So she's done it. So for 39 years of marriage, I hand her a paycheck, never touched it, don't know where it goes, don't know all that kind of, I, I mean, literally, I don't have any idea. But you know what my wife does? She lays at night on the sofa and reads the stock market, not magazines. And she comes to me and she tells me how much money she saved and put away, not how much she spent in all this stuff that we bought. And in my 40 years of marriage, I have never one time in our entire marriage, even when we were poor, 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 you know, like you are sometimes, not had the finances and the resources to do what needed to be done because I could trust her completely with everything that she was not only going to take care of it, but she was actually going to grow it. She was actually going to make it more. She was actually, how she did some of the stuff that we did when we were young, I had no idea how she did that. But that, look here, her, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. He trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. That's my wife. That's a picture of her, of what she's done. And it, I'm serious. She takes joy in seeing how much she can build up and not how much she can spend and how much she can own. I, I don't, I, I've, never had a, I've never seen too many people like that, and that's a blessing. She will be faithful in everything. Number two, she will be fruitful. That leads us to the very next thing. Look at verse 13. It says, she looks for wood and flax and works with her hands in the light. You know what that, let me tell you what that is in plain English. A godly woman looks for work. She looks for productive work. She doesn't look for ease and pleasure and running around and good. And again, I'm not saying you can't take a vacation and have fun. It's not what I'm saying, okay? But she looks for work. She looks for Look at, look at uh, verse um, 27, at the, at the very bottom of verse 27. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Idleness is what gets you in trouble. Go back to the story of King David. 
who was supposed to be out with the warriors during that time of year, and it says he wasn't. He was on his roof idling around. Look what happened to King David. Idleness is what gets you in trouble all the time. I won't go into it because I don't have time today, but when we do our jail ministry and all that kind of stuff, the worst thing that happens, I know nowadays because of all the laws we can't do anything, but the worst thing that happens when you put a bunch of guys in a cell together and give them time to sit there and do nothing. You talk about mischief, you talk about trouble, you talk about things they can dream up, they can do it. That's the worst thing. One of the worst, I mean, we're killing them. They, I'm not trying to say like we need to be cracking a whip and making them break rocks, but they need to be doing something productive. It's killing them not to do anything. Idleness will kill you. And that's what that says. Look at verse 13 again. She looks for something to do. Look at the word there. And it delights her. It delights her. I'll use my wife again. For anybody that knows how much time and effort it takes to do a garden and do it right, I mean, my wife, one of her greatest thrills is to go work her rear off in a garden. I mean, we've got everything planted out there that you can imagine. And every time I look up, it's nothing. she's out there pulling weeds, you know, and doing all this kind of stuff. And her foot's bothering her right now. She can't stand very much, which is killing her. So I got her this little wagon seat that you can push around, you know, like, and she'll push. If, if she knew I was told that, I'm in trouble. But she pushes that around. <laughs> she doesn't have to be on her feet. And I mean, whether it's whatever it is, but my point is she's always looking for productive work. And that delights um, she gets mad at me. Last week I was mowing the yard. She says, let me do that. And I said, you're not doing it because, you know, she's got the back issues and I don't want her bouncing around. And it makes her mad because I won't let her mow the yard. Not, I'm, I'm not even pouting. <laughs> I'm really in trouble today since this is a lie here. But she looks for productive work and she finds delight in doing work. That's what she loves to do. Look at verse 14. It says, she is like the merchant ships. She brings in her food from afar. And what that means is she looks everywhere for different ways to be productive. Does that make sense? I mean, she looks for any way that she can find to be productive. I've seen my wife come up with more ways to do more things because, watch this, she's looking for it. She's not looking for what she can do for herself. She's looking for ways to be productive. Verse 15, look at verse 15. She rises while it's still night. She gives food to her household and portions to her maiden. Uh, in other words, she sees her responsibility to her household. She does all this stuff to take care of. And I don't care, like I said, married or not, old or young, whatever, you should be taking care of your household because God gave you that. And it's a blessing from him. So she looks for ways to take care of her household. Look at verse 16. It says she considers a field. and I love this verse. Watch this. She considers a field and buys it, and from her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Now, I'm going to get on you a little bit. She made these earnings, and instead of going out and buying all this stuff, what did she do with it? She invested it in something that's going to make even more money. Do you see what that's saying? She looks for ways to invest, not to spend all this stuff on herself. Pretty amazing what this talking about, what a godly woman does. Look at verse 17. And then verse 25, we're going to do those together. She girds herself with strength, and she makes her arms strong. And in the first part of 25, strength and dignity are her clothing. Now, I could blast this to death, but I'm not going today. But this society, another thing besides a lack of respect that we've lost that's killing us is modesty and dignity. Modesty and dignity. 99% of the young women in this country <clears throat> have no idea what modesty is that it's a godly trait, why we need it, and why it's important 
and why the guys are attracted to what you're showing them instead of who you are, and then when what you're showing them changes, they're done with you. Are y'all hearing me? Mothers? Grandmothers? Ladies that get to mentor the young kids? That what you attract them with is what you keep them with? Y'all ever heard that? And that love is about the person and the heart and the soul and who they are and not what they look like and not what they wear or don't wear and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think of this, and I'm going to, one of the things, the, the person that keeps coming to mind when I think of proper and dignity, I think of Lou. If y'all knew Lou, I, I'm just, now, maybe when she was on the farm, but I'm talking about when she was out in public or, you know, in a classroom or something like that, you talk about dressing professional, looking. My wife talks about her business teachers at Southeastern when she was there. Did any of y'all know Mrs. Robbins? And so, <laughs> boy, you came to class, your nails were done right, your dress was right, you set a certain way. I mean, they didn't just teach, this is college, they didn't just teach business. They taught proper etiquette and dress and attitude and how you, pre how you presented yourself and all that kind of stuff. And we laugh at that nowadays. We scoff at that. We, we make a joke of that. And look, look, if, if you could see what I see every day between boys and girls, it's, it's pathetic. It's sick. We've got to teach dignity and modesty and model that because it's a good thing and it's a godly thing and it's not a bad thing to do. And I don't care if people call it old-fashioned or not. We need to be doing that. Your reputation needs to be in your dignity and your strength, not in your beauty or your looks. And there's nothing wrong with being pretty. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with dressing nice. That's not what I'm saying. But if that's your identity is in your clothes and all this kind of stuff, then we have a problem. And so many kids today, that's their identity. Why do you think young ladies have such a body image issue today? Because we make them ashamed if they don't look this certain way and dress this certain way. And I see it all the time because they're not loved for who they are. All right, look at verse 18. I like this, because this will hit some of you. She senses that her gain is good, and her lamp does not go out at night. Now, let me tell you what that means. The lamps were run by oil. Oil is what kept the lamp going. That doesn't mean that the light's on all night. What that means is she's not that person who's tired and worn out and stressed out and upset all the time. Are you listening, guys? Some of you ladies that are just always stressed and worn out and you just can't go maybe it's because your focus and your efforts are going into some of the wrong stuff and it's not the right fruitfulness that you're wanting for your life and so you, if you ever looked at the, looked up i know a lot of people look up and say what's the use in all of it what's the sense in all this kind of stuff because i got all this junk and i'm not happy i got all these things and i'm not happy i got all this and that's what that's saying right there it's saying that when she knows her gain is good that it's a godly gain that's doing what she's supposed to, that, let me ask you a question. When you're doing something that's productive and is good and is helping, do you ever find yourself with that kind of energy, that kind of strength, that kind of joy that kind of makes you walk on air because you're doing something really? That's what that's saying. It's saying the oil for her lamp that keeps her going comes from knowing that she's doing productive work and she's doing something that matters, okay, that matters for God. Look at verse 19. And 19, really quickly, says she stretches out her hands to the staff and her hands grab the, grab the spindle. And that's the picture there of her making. It talks about her making clothes and all that kind of stuff. In other words, she literally reaches out to 
productive work, she doesn't shy away from it like so many people do today. Verse 24, uh, one more thing. Look at verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. So she's bought land, she's planted a vineyard, she sews garments, she sells them to other people. Everything she can do, she is finding a way to be productive so that she has something to provide for her household. household. And then we already talked about verse 27. She doesn't eat the bread. That woman right there ain't got time to be idle. Whatever she's doing, she's busy. But notice that that kind of busy with the right kind of attitude and who she's doing it for gives her the strength to go on because she realizes her gain is an eternal gain and a fruitful gain. Okay? Next, the last two are a lot shorter. Number three, the point three is she's fearless. Look at verse 21 and verse 25, the first part. I love this. I really do. Look at verse 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Now, what that is a picture of there, in those days, you know, planting, most people were like farmers and planters. Okay, the snow represents a time when you can't make very much. You know, it's dead, dead of winter. There's no crops. There's not all this kind of stuff. But she has already, watch this, she's prepared her family beforehand, so she's not afraid of when tough times come. We're in a time right now where so many people panicked because they weren't prepared for when tough times came and uncertain times. And so because all they did their whole life was just buy, make it and burn it and just got rid of it and didn't prepare and put away and get ready, they panicked and they were afraid. I'm not trying to be funny, but that's why the toilet paper was gone. <laughs> the, the toilet paper was symbolic of we weren't prepared. And now what are we going to do? And where are we going to get what we need? And what happens, what happens if this, have you, heard, have you all heard, what happens if this lasts longer? What happens if this, what do we do? And there's so many people in a panic. And this, what this is saying is she's not afraid of that because she already had her family and her household taken care of. She prepared beforehand and she was ready. How many of you ever really thought about preparing for if we ever have a time of need? Have you got so used to having everything that you need whenever you need it, how you need it? that you don't really worry about it because you expect it's going to be there tomorrow? What if it's not? Do you know how many people are unemployed right now because of what's happening? i got a lot of friends that are unemployed, and i got a lot of friends that have lost a whole lot, and I feel sorry for them. I'm not making fun. I'm not getting on them. But what this saying is she was ready for that. She took care of it so that when the snow came, when the dead times came, she's fearless. Look at verse 25. It says at the first part, I mean the second part, and she smiles at the future. How many of you are worried about what tomorrow's going to bring or what's going to happen or this or that? You know what that means? You know what that's a real simple picture of? Peace. No anxiety. Watch this, guys. If you do your work, if you do what you're supposed to do, if you prepare, if you take care of what God's given you, if you teach your children, if you do all these things, God says, I'll bless that. The future is going to take care of itself. Quit worrying. Jesus said, why do you worry about tomorrow? He said, every day's got enough stuff to take care of. He says, who of you by worrying can add one day to their life? Why are you anxious? Why are you running around like? Now more than ever, the public that's going through this panic needs to see the church, all of us, men and women, being a picture of this godly woman smiling at the future. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to be okay, guys. God's got this. He's going to take care of us. He always has, and he always will. 
I'm not worried about what happens. Man, one of the, one of the worst things I've seen is, is the world is looking for a solid rock. And the church right now, think about this. When has been one of our greatest chances to ever have a witness and make a difference in society? Right now, when people are panicked and worried and scared, are we there? Are we doing what this lady's doing? Are we smiling at the future? Guys, we're going to be okay. And then somebody's going, how do you know? Well, then you get a chance to tell them, this is how I know. All right, last one. Number four, she's philanthropic. Look at verse 20 and then back to 15. Verse 20, it says, she extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. And then back to 15, the very last part, it says she gives food to her household, but also portions to her maidens. Now watch this. The poor, the needy, and her employees. The maidens are those that work for her. I know a guy, I was talking to a guy this week, who is not a good guy. I'm just telling you, he's not a very nice guy. And he's not a Christian. But here's what I was impressed with. He owns a business, that's all I'm going to say. And he was talking about how they had to shut part of the business down, you know, and they could only do part of it during this pandemic. And he said, man, I lost a lot of money. He said, it would have been better off to just shut down. I wouldn't have lost near as much money. But then he said, he said, but then it would have killed my employees. And I didn't want them to do without. Now, here's a guy that's not a Christian guy, that's not a real nice guy, that was thinking of his employees and kept them going, even though it cost him a lot of money during this time. What do you think the attitude those em towards, of those employees is going to be towards this man when things start going again, going good? What do you think? You think they're going to be good workers? You think they're going to be appreciative? You think they're going to want to make that business work well? That's pretty, well, that's what she does. She looks well to the way of her employees. Now, watch. You may not have employees, but you all have people under you that are listening to you, that are watching you, that are paying attention to how you act. Do you look well to them? Do you think about them when you're doing the things that you do? And then that part there, it says, where she extends her hand to the poor and stretches out her hand to the needy. This is true of anybody, but guys, listen. I've said this 100 times. I'm going to say it 101. If the God who gave his only son lives in your heart and you are a Christian, there is no way that you cannot be a giver. It's impossible. You can't have God living inside of you and not be a giver. The God who gave the best of everything he owned that lives in you and a godly woman, godly man, godly anybody wants to give because the scripture says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And some people, if they'd ever try that, they would learn what a blessing that is and why that keeps you going and why that brings joy and peace to your life. And so she gives to the poor. She gives to the needy. Uh, she's hospitable. Did any of y'all have a mother like mine that whenever you had friends come over, they were going to shove food down their throat? <laughs> they were going to make sure they got something to eat or something to drink or something, if they need, whatever it is that they needed. Did y'all have a mother like that that's going to make sure that, your, that the kids that came to the house had everything that they needed? Uh, and if the poor kids were there, they were going to make sure that they maybe had shoes that they didn't have or clothes that they needed or whatever it is that they were going to give them. A godly woman is a, is, a, is a woman that gives and extends her hand to the poor and to the needy. Okay, now let's close this up and let's finish it out. I want to read verses 28 through 31. I just want to read them because they're self-explanatory. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. 
Charm, and, and, uh, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. There's two ways that you can get praise. You can do it with looks and charm and trying to be this, or you can do it by your attitude and your actions and your life. And your attitude and your actions and your life and your work will last forever. I want you to take one, ten seconds, but everybody in here, I want you, you don't have to close your eyes, but I want you to think back. Every one of you in here knows an older woman. She may still be here. She may be passed on. That you remember because of the strong, faithful, godly, trustworthy woman that she was. Y'all all know somebody like that? I was fortunate enough that my mom is one of those. Not everybody had a mama that was that way. I understand that, but my mama is one of those women. And I had a perfect example of what to look at. And I'm married to a perfect example of that. And I can't help but think that my mom had something to do with that. I'm going to give her credit. And I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not trying to, but I'm going to give my mom credit that I knew what a godly woman looked like and what it was supposed to be like. And so I have one also. And I hope that one day maybe the rest of my family will figure that out. But anyway, uh, that's, that's I say that really quick, but uh, put that out there. But. The Bible says that you can be praised for your appearance or you can be praised for your character and your nature and, your, and, and, and what you do. That's the picture of a godly woman. Seek the praise of God and of people by what you do and what you give and what you invest and how you build people up. And that's a praise that lasts forever. And that's an influence that will help change this world that so many young people need to see. So I want to say this because I want to make it sound because it is the truth. There are quite a few godly women in this fellowship, in this congregation, people that I know. I appreciate you all. I want to say that you deserve that because you're making a difference in the lives of so many kids. You know, when we get back to normal, you know how many little kids that we have running around that are watching you be faithful in teaching and in serving and in feeding and in loving and having a smile on your face and doing all that kind of stuff I don't know if you realize the difference that you're making and what a great influence that is. And so I just want to tell you I appreciate that because it's hugely important. And these little kids aren't getting it from very many places nowadays. I'm just telling you guys, they're not. And you can ask Vicki or Angela or whoever else is in education what some of these kids are dealing with. And Lord knows they need to see a godly man and a godly woman doing godly things. So today I just want to say well done to those of you that are living godly lives and doing what the scripture says because it's making a difference that you might not even see so god bless you today and i hope that i hope this gave you something to look at and think about and to be encouraged let's bow and let's close in prayer father god thank you for the women that you have put in my life who have exemplified what it means to honor you to honor their families whatever that looks like to um, work for uh, not just themselves but for others Father, that is the heart of Jesus Christ, is to, is to work and to put out effort and to do what we do for the benefit and the blessing and the edification of others, not just for what we can gain. And so, Father, I pray that we would all be encouraged here today, that when we do that, we may not even see all the eyes that are on us, especially from our children, but that's the greatest thing that we can do for them, is not give them stuff as much as give them a godly example and a godly witness and a godly pattern to follow in the way we talk, act, work, 
and treat other people. I pray, Father, that these words today have come from you and that they would bless hearts. I pray that there was no negativity or discouragement because that wasn't meant towards anyone. I just pray that it would be a, a model and an example that we look up to and that we strive for because you gave it to us in your word. And as we study and strive to your word, we become the people you created us to be. And I pray that's what, ha what would happen here in all of our lives, that your word would continue to transform us into the godly people we're supposed to be. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.